Hey there and a very warm welcome as every Friday to Bergos Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and my guest today is Michael Ambros. Hi, Michael. Hi, Aurelia. Hi, so nice to see you. Happy to be here. Um, it is the week before Christmas. Now it actually is. And, you know, usually the times are a bit calmer. Everybody's sort of wrapping up the year. Is that true for them, for, for your field of vision at the moment as well? Yeah, well, the, the actually pretty contemplative pre-Christmas periods brought um, some, some certain tension, or some might even say excitement with it this week, um, since some of the world's most important central banks held their last regular meetings uh, for this year okay. to determine their respective monetary policy for the coming month yeah. and the coming year. And all of that can be kind of summarized in the question, quo vadis interest rate policy. Okay, that no small topic. So where are we going? Well, in fact, the picture is fairly mixed here between continuity on one hand and increasingly restrictive policies on the other. Mm -hmm. uh, while the SNB, the, the Swiss National Bank, for example, decided to leave the key interest rates unchanged mm -hmm. at minus uh, 0.75%. Uh, the Bank of England, uh, on the other side, is moving forward with the first rate hike of 15 basis points to now 0.25%, thus already initiating the interest rate turnaround. Both um, central banks in Europe, uh, the, the European Central Bank ECB and the US Fed, are keeping their interest rates unchanged at 0 and 0 to 0.25% respectively. Okay but are giving clear impetus with regard to their corresponding bond purchase programs. Okay, contextualize that for me, please. How is that to be understood? Well, in principle, bond purchases are used as an additional instrument of monetary policy alongside key interest rates, particularly in a situation where key interest rates are, are very low, um, have already been lowered to, to a level at or close to zero um, and that is the environment, uh, environment where we are um, situated right now. Mm -hmm. And in that environment, bond purchases by a central bank allow for further monetary easing by injecting additional liquidity into the bond markets, okay. particularly uh, government bonds. But vice versa holds true. So this, uh, this relation also works the other way around. And in, in, th in that sense, the ECB has just announced that the pandemic emergency purchase program will end as scheduled at the end of March. Um, so that one could think they're uh, just simply breaking up their purchases doesn't perfectly hold true because their um, regular purchase program will be increased temporarily in the next uh, year during Q2 and Q3 mm -hmm. in order to cushion that effect, in order to not have an abrupt uh, reduction of asset purchases, but rather a, smooth, uh, a smoother step-by-step -step reduction of, of, of the total purchase volume. The bottom line, however, is that bond purchases are expected to continue until the end of the year. And in that uh, regard, the ECB's accommodative policy will be maintained. Okay, that's the ECB. And looking across the pond, what's the Fed doing? Well, um, the Fed on the other side of the Atlantic um, will be reducing their purchase program much faster than previously planned and announced. Prospectively, fur further purchases will be cut by 30 billion US dollar per month. That means that the speed of the tapering program will be doubled and the QE program itself will now end in mid-March instead of June, which was originally planned. So 
while the ECB is planning further purchases until the end of the year, the US Fed program will already end in the first quarter. Got it. Okay. So, uh, but again, contextualize this a little bit for me, please, because does this have an impact on future interest rate policies? Well, looking at the ECB, um, we do not expect the ECB to adopt a fundamentally more restrictive monetary policy or in particular to change its interest rates anytime soon uh, during the, the coming year. However, the US equivalent, the Fed, is already showing a fundamental tendency to tighten interest rates. The majority of FOMC members expect the Fed funds rate to rise by a full three steps next year. That is uh, a level of 0.75 to 1% at year end. And is that a surprise? I wouldn't call it a fundamental surprise. It was to be expected that at the end of the bond purchases would sooner or later be followed by higher, uh, higher key interest rates. However, Chair Powell's reasoning for the change in this assessment of the Fed actually resembles kind of a paradigm shift. In contrast to, to, to past considerations, the Fed's focus shifted a bit and is now clearly on uh, inflation, where it was perceived to be rather focused on, uh, on the labor market uh, throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And um, probably the currently extremely high inflation figures seem to have, have provided this decisive impetus here. Um, Oh, thank you, uh, Michael. That's all super, super interesting. I, we already talked about inflation quite a bit on this podcast. Obviously, the topic that is, you know, much discussed and at at, at the at the focus of of a lot of people's attention at the moment, rightfully so. Um, we heard about the Fed's pronounced inflation tolerance previously. Is that how's that to be seen now? Is that ending? Is that no longer the case? Uh, well, it does indeed ap appear that the end of the Fed's inflation tolerance seems to have been reached. Okay. Uh, for this year and uh, for the next two years, uh, the Fed had to revise upwards their forecast for inflation significantly. It now expects 5.3% this year, 2.6 and 2.3 years for the following years, 22 and 23. And all of them above their uh, inflation target of 2%. Mm -hmm. And this is most likely the decisive factor for their, their, their policy and their shift. Okay, but hold on. Does that mean that the Fed no longer believes in a temporary inflation? Well, the emphasis has clearly shifted. It, the Fed still assumes that a not insignificant price pressure caused by the pandemic, in the broadest sense, well, interrupted supply chains uh, and bottlenecks, combined with a very high consumer demand, uh, at a time of uh, extremely risen energy prices, on the other hand, that these factors are likely to ease over the course of the coming year. Uh -huh. Nevertheless, the Fed is alarmed that the currently high price level could also have an impact on future inflation expectations. Although this cannot be observed at present, the Fed would like to create the preconditions necessary to counteract decisively in the future when needed. That is why it is reacting now. Fed is reacting now. Um, and they're reacting through the accelerated tapering and through the interest rate path that has been set out in, 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 in its prospects. 
Um, the decline in inflation anticipated by the Fed for the coming years, uh, we remember from 5.6% uh, this year to roughly 2.3% in 23, mm -hmm. already assumes that the announced policy measures are being reflected. And uh, they're reflected in the corresponding forecasts um, so far. And what is uh, also worth acknowledging is that for the first time this meeting, this possibly persistent inflation at the currently high level is also mentioned as a direct threat to the achievement of uh, the Fed's maximum employment goal. Um, reaching a higher labor force participation, uh, which still remains below pre-pandemic levels, is in that sense of secondary importance here, uh, since, they, since the Fed uh, acknowledges or had to acknowledge that this normalization process could take longer, but the threat of inflation must be counteracted now. Um, notwithstanding this, the labor market spurred on by rapid economic growth is also showing uh, strength and uh, significant improvement and uh, is, is, uh, is evolving equally rapid um, towards maximum employment, which leads uh, the Fed to the expectation that this goal could even be reached, ceteris paribus, uh, obviously, uh, if everything works out as planned, sure. um, could be reached next year already. Does that mean interest rate hikes? Do we expect them? Well, the, the, the good question from, from tapering to liftoff. The, the, the most crucial question uh, that the investment community asks, obviously. Well, um, Chair Powell has virtually ruled out an interest rate hike before the end of the tapering. In that context, uh, this, these two monetary policy instruments would be somewhat conflicting, right? Um, and the Fed has also held out the prospect that the duration, uh, well, the time period from the end of bond purchases to the first interest rate hike will be very, very short and can be uh, significantly shorter than in past cycles. And that is because the, the current economic environment allows for this to happen more quickly. The economy is strong and uh, that is why there's, there, is n there seems to be not that need to wait uh, for, for a long time. Um, accordingly, the earliest date for a rate hike is probably in the second quarter, uh, uh, second quarter of the next year, which is our expectation. And the Fed will then likely announce further interest rate hikes after carefully monitoring uh, the economy over the course of the year. In particular, looking at the markets will uh, still guide the Fed to be cautious. Uh, the Fed really does not want uh, to irritate uh, the market community, so they're very sensitive uh, in that regard, I would say. That all sounds pretty clearly laid out. Thank you, Michael. But uh, of course, it's always, you know, there's a flip side. What are the risks and um, yeah, what's sort of hiding in the shadows that could still change that outcome altogether? At the end of the day, the further course of the pandemic remains the decisive risk for future economic development and accordingly also for the Fed policy, monetary policy in general, and that holds true uh, equally for all central banks, by the way. Um, by all means, the Fed assumes that the pandemic-related implications for society and the economy will weaken from wave to wave, since we're uh, like experiencing this already for the last one and a half years. Yeah. And uh, in, in, in that regard, some cautious optimism seems justified that even the Omicron 
variant will be manageable uh, to, 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 to the largest extent. Michael, thank you so much. That's also very, very clearly laid out. Um, there's always one question that we ask here whenever possible, so to say pretty much always. What does all of that mean for the markets? I mean, that's sort of the central question. So let me bring this back to this point as well. Um, how will markets react? What is the implication for markets and also for investors from an investor's point of view? What should people keep their eyes open for? <laughs> Excellent question. Thank you, Aurelia. In fact, we have already seen the first market reactions um, to the Fed announcement, for example. And stock markets reacted surprisingly positive to the prospect of a tightening of monetary policy and interest rates, um, uh, rising interest rates. And this is probably due to the reasoning that was given um, by the Fed. The economy is humming, strong economic growth is expected, uh, is expected to continue as well as further improvements on the labor market. And this taken together is a very favorable environment in which companies can do well. At the same time, the Fed announcement brought some further clarity as to what to expect in the coming year. And that is why equity in, uh, investors in particular did not take the announcement or the announcements negatively. Okay. For bond investors, um, particularly in US dollar, obviously it is now clear that a shorter duration will be necessary to mitigate the negative effects of rising interest rates. Yeah. And in this regard, uh, th this positioning was already decided upon and uh, taken by our investment committee uh, in, in, in August. So to conclude, looking at our overall metrics, we feel very well positioned for the coming year. Oh, that's such a nice statement to end on. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you very much for having me, Aurelia, and Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you. Likewise, absolutely. It is indeed almost almost Christmas time. Um, yeah, you, you're the last podcast of the season, so to say. We too are wrapping up the year, and next week we will have a little Christmas special that we're planning um, for you, our dear listeners. But yes, this was, a, this was a lovely last episode. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you very much. And we thank you as always so much for listening. We hope that you will enjoy a wonderful yeah, pre-Christmas weekend now and will have a lovely last week before Christmas. And we will actually be back next Friday with a little bit more of Bagos Now. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs>